Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Harmony. And we are Lymphatic Care. The Naked Truth. We are going to dive into the lymphatic system, discuss how the system has let clients down due to lack of resources, education and knowledge on the challenges that affect the lymphatic system. We are looking forward to sharing our stories and our experiences. Hi, Harms. Hi, Shell. How's your week? It's wet today and this week. It's, we've had some massive storms. I've been driving in the storms all day today. And I'm glad that I haven't been caught out in it. Hey, guess what? What? Did you know that we have reached six countries over <gasps> the world for our podcast so far? Oh, my gosh. We're now kidding. We've got followers in New Zealand, in the US, in the Philippines, in the UK, Ireland, and Australia. How That's amazing, amazing is that? Amazing. Hi, I everyone. I can't believe it. I would love to hear from our listeners and find out where you're at in your journey. Are you suffering from lipedema, lymphedema? Do you have any questions where you think we need to bring on some more podcasts and what else you want to learn? Because we're always wanting to help our listeners and obviously there's so many different things that we can talk about, but sometimes we get a little bit stuck for where don't we? Shall we sit there and yeah. go, oh, what else do we, what, what's come up? What can we talk about today? Yeah, we um we we try to cover as much as we can, but it's sometimes hard and we end up merging quite a few subjects into one. That's pretty much what we're going to be doing today. Once again, hi everyone. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for following. Um please share. We like to get in touch and reach out to as many people as we can regarding the Padema Lymphedema journey. And that's what we're all about education and sharing stories so welcome everyone that is amazing good to see that you joined us anyway moving on i reckon we should since we're talking about the weather and how bad the storms are which not good at all today and also the humidity how that affects our clients with lipedema and lipedema yeah, because it definitely does. I think I don't. I'm not entirely sure that a lot of um, our clients put the two and two together until we actually say something. But um, obviously, we are being humans. We are predominantly made of water. So, um, what happens is when there is high humidity and the heat. The heat sort of more affects us in the discomfort, but the humidity actually makes us absorb more moisture with it around us. So when we suffer from uh, lipedema, lymphedema, it can make our swelling increase. What happens is, is when there's so much uh, moisture in the air, it then absorbs into our body. When we're suffering from lymphedema, I know for myself when I had the pregnancy edema, the days where it was raining, I felt like I woke up with balloon toes. Yep. I always recommend to all of our clients, especially the ones that I see on a regular basis, that if you're aware that it's going to be high humidity, not necessarily raining, just high humidity, that's when you should really focus on getting all of your ducks in a row, you know, making sure that you've got your compression garments on, you're doing a hydrotherapy if you can, you're eating as clean as you can. Um, just to reduce the amount of fluid that you already have in your body so that that way when you absorb more fluid in the on the high humid days, you're supposed to sort of, you're a bit ahead of the game. So we have our lovely lady, Jamie, that we've had on the podcast before. Yes. Now, I went and saw her today and she's she has just had a birthday and she's just had a very busy weekend with her carers and all her family and friends over for her 40th, I think it was. Sorry, Jamie, if it's not that. Um, and she no was way talking. Is she 40? Yeah, I know, right? I'm pretty sure she's 40. 
Happy birthday. Yes, that was that was on Saturday, I think. Happy birthday, Jamie, if you're listening. So she was saying, we're talking about movement, as you were talking about hydrotherapy and reminded me. She was saying that because she is um, needing carers to help and ability and things like that, she finds that even shuffling her feet and moving her legs and her wrists, move her wrists, that also helps with her lymphedema and also helps with pain. And she also said that with the weather, she finds that she already knows it's going to be a bad day because her joints hurt before the humidity hits or her joint hurts before um, the rain hits. So she really is noticing that with the weather, it comes with pain. So she told me something funny today, and it's more or less to protect your mobility and when you're handling manual handling. So we all get taught that, you know, you've got to lift with your legs and squat and make sure you use your legs and not your back and you you hold something close to your chest and not out, all these Mm -hmm. different movements to protect your back. Anyway, her funny story, it's not sort of story, it's a funny line, and she said, if in doubt, put your butt out. And it's like, okay, if you're in doubt, put the butt out. So <laughs> then then the, the mind goes, well, okay, so I'm in doubt a lot. I'm going to just stick my butt out and just off I go and see how I go and see who notices that the butt's out. And I'm, I'm going to mention that again to Jamie and see if she notices that the butt's out, see what happens. Anyway, sorry, off track. I will get back on track. <laughs> Yeah, Jamie said that she really notices with the weather. I think there's a lot of people, especially with people with arthritis, they tend to notice they link the two. Yeah, I know people with arthritis usually feel the pain a lot more when it rains or when it's going to rain. Yeah, they feel it. But, yeah, she said that they feel the lippy ladies feel it as well, that um, as soon as the humidity hits, they actually feel it more than any other time. That was interesting. Like I knew they felt pain all the time, but I didn't connect the two that much until um yeah jamie and i had that discussion about it which was interesting and i suppose another thing to point out too is how the um how the fluid can increase and affect wounds because i'm noticing that you know that's something that we're really seeing a lot lately is that we've got some clients who are getting some wounds and they seem to kind of ebb and flow we think they're healing really well and then we get these mass downpours of rain and then all of a sudden it's like oh the wound's gone a little bit backwards why yeah um, and obviously that comes down to additional fluid. The fluid increases swelling and when there's extra fluid there, that means the healthy tissue can sometimes become a bit macerated. Um, for those of you who aren't nurses or medical professional, that means it becomes wet and that means that healthy tissue then becomes... Um, they break down. Yeah, it breaks mm. down and it turns into that same sort of um, really fragile tissue paper like if you've been in the water for too long. Mm. Yeah, so we've got a couple of clients like that, but one particular client, we talk about him, he has an ulcer in his ankle and being a diabetic and he has lymphedema. We've got that pretty much under control, but I think we're more concerned about his diabetes and how that affects his wounds. Yeah, I think it's circulation. Yeah, yeah. More than um, than his lymphedema itself, Yeah. yeah. So we've got... Hopefully he's maceration under control, but, you know, being being a client that 
has a shower twice a day where obviously we're going to be prone to maceration and this is why we've got to try to protect the wound so it doesn't macerate and break down. So we cover a lot of wounds but we also is one of them can be connected lymphedema and lipedema. We have skin tears which is very common on fragile skin. We have friction um, skin friction burns, which can come from shearing off your sheets or shearing off any compression garments or even bandaging, you can have that shear friction yeah, burn. absolutely. Uh, what other wounds have we got? We've got burns. We don't deal with burns, do we? We have... No, not really. I mean... No, we have post-operative wounds that we look after and they're pretty good because most of those post-operative, they have already been stitched and we just keep an eye on them. Yep. But we, we've had a lot of clients who have blisters, blisters being um, obviously mainly from lymph- lymphedema and lipedema, but lymphedema overflow, not overflow, overload is a better word. Yeah. And definitely. break down the skin to cause blisters. Yeah, well, I mean, especially if they're, um, you usually see the blisters when they start to become fibrotic. So when the skin becomes hard, and that's, I explain it to our clients that you'll have, you've got fluid, so you've got your normal skin integrity. And then what happens is when you have an increased amount of fluid, if it doesn't get pushed and we're not doing the right things, either wearing our compression garments or having our legs pumped or manual drainage, then what happens is that fluid then turns from water to gel. Yeah. And then within a few weeks, so it feels like gel, you can actually feel it. It's like toothpaste under the skin. Yeah. And then it goes from that to more like cement yeah and the when it goes to that level of um thickness i suppose it the skin becomes dry because what happens is then you you've got lack of blood flow lack of circulation um and usually by that time the clients have lost their mobility or most of their mobility because their legs just feel so heavy yeah and so what happens is the skin then turns fibrotic and it turns um sorry it turns to orange peel is how we sort of say yeah. it in, in our lingo, isn't that shell? Yeah. And what happens is that that orange peel skin becomes really hard and then the fluid has to go somewhere. And so what happens is you end up with these little bubbles all over and they're, they're exactly like blisters where the fluid has just been pushed out of the skin instead of up to the groin or up to the nodes, whether it be on the arm or the leg. And then slowly over time they start to weep. And unfortunately, they just turn out like they literally, I kind of think of them as like little peas that pop. Yeah. And it's just a tiny little slit. Sometimes you can't even see where it's leaking from, but you can see the fluid dripping down. And usually by that time, you can smell the lymph fluid as well because it is so thick. It's like honey when it comes out. So, what does it smell like? Let's just elaborate that so the people who want to listen about lymph fluid. So let's describe what it looks like and what the smell is like. Well, it's golden. Uh, yeah, I usually see it as like a golden honey, but mm, the smell, that's a bit potent. That's specific, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> it's not it's, it's not it's, a bad smell. Like it's it's not like um pseudomonas. Yes, no. Smell. So, so let's you, just go back. Pseudomonas smell <laughs> and what is pseudomonas for the people who don't know who medical it is I'm going to say another medical word, which I'll elaborate from the further. It's exudate. So exudate means in a medical term is it's leaking. So when you have pseudomonas, it's the leaking is green. And I know that sounds scary and it can be if it's not caught and 
um, looked after straight away. Um, most cases, when you've got pseudomonas, you need antibiotics and a doctor to guide you through that. A lot of people get sick with pseudomonas. They yeah. can become septic and actually get taken to hospital. So it's quite serious when it gets to that stage. But most cases, we've been really lucky when someone's got pseudomonas, we're able to get on top of it, which it's mainly from um, it could be because it's too wet, too warm, which obviously grows that type of bacteria. But this is this is a totally different smell to it. Not offensive, though. You just know when you smell it. There's something. Yeah, once you right. know the smell, you know you yes. know what it is. So yeah, I think I think you just have to keep an eye on if it doesn't. If you notice a smell that it's not your normal body smell, you need to let your practitioner or a GP know. I think it's the only way we can cover that smell without trying to pick the right words for it. It's called scrofula. Ooh. And it's reported, I just Googled it. Oh, good on you. It's called, it's reported to smell like stale beer. Really? Apparently uh, so. I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know what stale beer smells like, but I know that um, when you have your waters break when you're pregnant, they <laughs> refer it to smelling like semen. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, they literally is- say to you, did it, did it have a smell? And you'll be like, yeah, it smelled weird. And they're like, does it smell like semen? And my first, when my first waters broke, I was like, I don't know what semen smells like. <laughs> Am I supposed to know? She's like, how did you get pregnant? I was like, well, I don't sniff it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, something went wrong if you sniffed it and you're pregnant. Yeah. Something went wrong. Tell my kids that don't sniff semen you feel pregnant. <laughs> Actually, that might stop them from falling pregnant when they're younger. <laughs> no sniffing. No sniffing. Just don't go oh. near it. Keep away from the penis. And that yes. might stop you from not going down that road until you're old enough to understand what semen is. Well, I mean, hopefully they're not going anywhere near a penis until they understand all of those ins and outs anyway. Yes, one would hope so. <laughs> I but mean, yeah, that's so going to happen soon enough. It will, and I'm not ready for that anytime soon. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, apparently it smells like stale beer. But, I mean, I don't know about that, but I do agree. It, it definitely has its own smell. Yes. And it yes. looks like stale beer. Yeah, Can't actually, it. yeah, it does. But I don't think, personally, I don't think it smells like stale beer. But Maybe it's the yeast. Like, Yeah, it could be the yeast. Mm. A yeasty smell. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, anyway, yeah. It's called scrofola or scrofola, however you want to pronounce it. Well, thank you for that Google search. You're welcome, Dr. Google, at your service. Nice. Thanks, Dr. Google. Just putting a warning out there, a disclaimer, please don't use Dr. Google to self-diagnose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we are not responsible. If you check Dr. Google, <laughs> we're not taking any responsibility whatsoever. Back to wounds. Now, we're talking about friction, um, different type of blisters as well. We're looking at friction blisters. I mean, we've got, we've had a lady who is bed bound. She is stage four lipedema, lymphedema, and she had a friction blister. And this is from um, compression garments that weren't applied properly. And this blister was the size of a baseball, just putting it out there. It's quite big. What's a That's baseball? That's right. I remember that. How big is that? About yep. 
15 centimetres by 15 centimetres. So it was on her lower leg. And it was a matter of time for when that busted, that was going to be a very nasty wound. And it did. And lucky for us, we were able to get on top of it and able to get her wound under control and better within a matter of a couple of weeks so very lucky but that was daily um cares for that client to get her on her feet but that was quite painful for her too because you know when the bus uh, when the blister busts it's quite painful like any blister like any burn blister you bust it you know it's going to hurt but this is not intentionally the blister didn't bust intentionally we did support it with a um, another dressing called um, Zetrovet, and we just supported that. So it does it. If it does bust, we had it under control. So it took a little while. Even when we started bandaging that leg, it, it was it took a little while to bust. Can I just add that you should never bust a blister? Yes, because that's something that we see quite often in the community, especially from support workers, is that they will rupture the blister and. It's actually um, the body's natural way of protecting the wound, especially if it is a big wound. Yeah, the whole reason of a blister forming is so that the fluid that is inside the blister is a natural antibacterial, antifungal, kind of kills anything that can possibly grow inside of it. should never rupture it. It will rupture all on its own and usually it ruptures when when the new skin underneath is healed and ready. Just putting that out there because we see it so often in the community and every time I think, oh, you shouldn't have touched that, that's just asking for an infection to form. Yeah, yeah. And if it's well controlled like this particular lady, we're on top of it and we could manage that blister till we got healed, which was amazing. What other wounds we're looking at? So we're talking about skin tears. Skin tears. Ulcers? Ulcers. Yeah, let's do skin tears and then we'll do ulcers. Skin tears are mainly for fragile skin. And I mean, even I get skin tears and I'm 54 and I didn't think I had, but I bruise easy. Do you moisturise every day? No. No. And that's something that we talk about to our clients is you should moisturise twice a day for your skin integrity. You know, nurses Nurses are the worst patients. (laughs) We don't practice what we preach, really. It's just, you know, it just doesn't happen. I don't think I've ever taken a course of antibiotics either, a full course. I think I've just taken three days and, yeah, I feel good and put it aside until... I'm sick again and then I've got antibiotics to fall back on. Yes, I'm the worst nurse in the world, but, you know, here we are telling the <laughs> truth, <laughs> just telling it as it is. Um, yeah, so having skin tears can be um, on fragile skin is very fragile that you can accidentally rub it or bump it and you're pushing the skin surface and breaking that skin it is easily um, healed if we're able to push that flapper skin back over the wound and it can heal quicker. But sometimes, and, and skin tears have a different stages. So I'm not going to go into that because any medical um, nurses or doctors would know all about this. So it just shows you which stage of skin tears, whether it's the skin's over the wound, skin is partially over, or it's totally lost it. The skin completely, it's totally torn off. Do you know, one of the companies I used to, I used to work in an aged care facility a long time ago, and I came on shift one night or one morning, and this lady, one of my favourite ladies, had her arm bandaged up. And I said, oh, what would you do to your arm? And she was dementia, so she's like, oh, I don't really remember. And I said, oh, what would she do? They said, oh, she just bumped it. 
it's been taped up, it's fine, leave it alone. Well, I went and did the wound care three days later because it was stinky. Oh. It was a skin tear to the muscle. Oh, my gosh. She she latched when she'd walked through the door, she'd latched her arm onto the, you know, the little bit of metal that sticks on the outside of the door yeah. frame. Oh, she'd latched no. onto that on her forearm. And then, oh, that's thunder that's shaking my house. Um, that is a big thunder. I yeah. heard that, but we the don't have it the, here. The eye of the storm must be coming over. Um, but, yeah, so the night nurse had just, because it was dark and she didn't want to upset the residents, I, like I understand her thought process, but it was so bad that she actually had to go to hospital, get it surgically cleaned out and then stitched with a skin oh, graft. Oh, no. Worst skin tear I'd ever seen. I didn't even know you could do skin tears like that. So, yeah, that's not good. Not no. that deep. So that's worst case scenario. Yeah, we've had clients that have had um, stitches in their skin tears. Mm. It has happened before with, I think it was the last company we worked with that yeah. had clients. Oh, do you remember there was a chap? Sorry, guys, we're just going to go on a tangent here. <laughs> there was a there was a chap that we saw, and he. He was living on his own. He was in his 80s, very fragile, and he was on blood thinners. So I'm just going to let that hit. So blood thinners could be, can just thin your blood. So for the people who don't understand what blood thinners are for, it's just a medication to thin your blood to prevent blood clots. This chap dropped a radio on his foot. Now the call, remember that story? I remember this one, yeah, yep. So a call went out to me saying, can you call into this chap because he's saying he um, has hurt himself and his blood yeah. everywhere. And I'm going, okay, I am half an hour away. So I thought, okay, blood everywhere. And I'm thinking, it can't be that bad. And I walked in and it was that bad. He, I swear he would have lost two litres of blood. Yeah. And his foot was the size, the hematoma on that, hematoma means blood blister, um, on his foot was a size of a baseball mm. and he had massive pools of blood on the floor that had turned into jelly. And that's very gross and I'm sorry for those people who are not medical-minded, but that's how it looked like. So when I came in and saw him, he was actually looking grey. So I was able to stop the bleeding wrapped it up, call an ambulance, and the ambulance guy came in and goes, what's happening? He he also got told, oh, there's blood everywhere. So he's thinking, oh, yeah, it's probably just a bit of drop blood, on, you know, on the walls and stuff. And, you know, you just de-escalate that blood <laughs> everywhere moment. And he walked in and saw the blood and he went, oh, crap. And I showed, I took a photo of it before I bandaged it and I said, here's the photo, do not touch this bandage, do not touch it. And he goes, I'm not going to touch that. No way. So he was amazed at how much blood this guy has lost through because he had blood thinners. Okay, yeah. that's another story. So we're also, while we're talking about wounds, and you touched over it, skin grafts. We see a lot. Yeah, we do actually, especially in the um, elderly community, I suppose more, it's more for um, what cancer removal when they remove yeah. a CA. This the graft site is usually the site that becomes infected. So yes. the healthy tissue that gets removed ends up being the problem. Yes. And the cancer site or the wound site that was the problem ends up healing perfectly. Yeah. I don't know why. That, that That's just how it seems to be for us anyway well, with our history. 
Um, but a skin graft is when obviously most people know what that is, but essentially they will remove a healthy part of skin, usually from the, uh, what is the back thigh. of the arm or the thigh, or thigh. Yeah. usually sometimes the tummy as well, um, depending on the size that's required, but they'll remove a, a slice of a piece of skin and then they'll pop that on the site that's requiring the skin graft. And, um, you usually what leave it, is it a week? I think yeah. it's been a while since we've done we've dealt with skin graft wounds, and you just have to usually keep it clean, keep it moist. Or there's a there's a very fine line there, isn't there, Shell, between yeah. moist and dangerous. Yeah. Um, we've had a couple of uh, times in history where we've gone out. And it's like nope, that's too wet. Now we've it's going backwards. <laughs> yeah, that's we're going back to maceration when it's too wet, and then the outer layer of the skin is deteriorating, which we yes. don't want. No, because then it's dying off. So. Yeah. Um, but it does happen and it's one of those things that, yeah, we tend to see a lot more where we're dealing with the skin graft wound site than the actual wound. But it doesn't usually take long. Once it starts to heal and you can see that it's um, the colour is consistent and it is, it yeah, it flourishes. Once it's on its healing way, that's it. You sort yeah. of let it go, you leave it alone, and within a couple of weeks you wouldn't even know that it was there. Yeah. Let's talk about ulcers because they, they are huge with us, aren't they? Yes, especially on the leg. Um, usually on the, it's usually on the inner ankle that we see it a lot. Yeah. And a lot of the time, it'll start as the tiniest little wound that someone's nicked on their wheelie walker, or their walking stick, or their couch. Something really, really silly where they, it can be the size of a pea. Yeah. Um, and it's usually right on that ankle bone or just around the ankle, which, uh, especially if you're diabetic, you've got lowered skin integrity, you've got lowered circulation. Um, and so those tiny little wounds, what happens when you have a wound is that the, the body will send fluid. And unfortunately, if you're a lymphedema, lipedema client, this is where the issue is. But you have a wound, the body will send fluid there as a way of uh, supporting and protecting the, the wound bed itself, which then obviously causes swelling and, and um, the increased fluid there when we don't have the, the right circulation and we don't have that venous return, um, that's when we have the issues of the maceration, the breakdown of healthy tissue, and then within it can happen within days. Yeah, It can go from a scratch to a wound and then straight away from a wound to an ulcer. And a lot of the time the clients will just complain that it's burning or it feels like, especially at night when they're elevating their legs, they'll complain that it feels like someone has or there's little gremlins scratching at their wound, isn't it? Most ulcers are not nice, are they? They're not. There's a lot of depth in an ulcer and it can go to stage four to the bone. Hey, remember... This is going back to that lady who had a pressure area on her bottom and also pressure area on the back of the leg. And she she had a pressure area on the bottom because she kept sitting on the chair and the leg was pressing against the chair and it wasn't and it kept was breaking that, down. Was, was this the, the lady that lived out near the water? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And she wouldn't lay down on a bed. So she would sit in this chair and she would lay down on the bed and that also actually went down to the bone. So stage four, so yeah. very graphic people. Stage four, which then um, infections can cause more issues because it's so deep. That's most cases it's really hard to get that back to a healthy tissue quickly. It's a slow process. Yes, it's very slow. And then and then you have tunneling, which is it 
tunnels, you have a normal breakdown of wound and then it's like a rabbit warren and you can feel there's a tunnel underneath the skin and that's when we have to, we're really concerned when that happens because we don't know which way and how deep it is and how far it is and it's not until we start um, using other products to get that back. And as I said, it's a, once again a slow process because you don't know where that tunneling is going to go. Mm-hmm. Normally at this stage, we like to involve the wound care clinics and get their support because tunneling is only is pretty severe in ulcers and we, we need backup when it comes to that. There's more support with a wound clinic when it comes to that and nurse practitioners in that field. Thank you for those people who are listening in the wound clinics. Much appreciated. Yeah. So, yeah, this chap we're seeing today, I reckon he's stage three. It's getting better. Today, when I saw it today, it's looking better, which is great news. And he's such a he's such a funny bugger. And he would say, every day I go in, he'll say, you're born in Fiji. Okay, right. I was born in (laughs) Fiji today. And today he says, "You, what did he say? You were born in France. I went, okay, I will start talking with a French accent. (laughs) And he he said, that's your husband on the TV. And I looked at the TV and it was a a police officer. And I went, "Uh, uh, that's not my husband. My husband's not a copper. Not knocking any coppers, but I know my husband's not a copper. Yeah, apparently um, my husband's a um, bus driver or a taxi oh, driver. Yeah, and you know what's funny? He knows every cab number. So he'll say, and even the name, he'll say, I'm just putting a name out there, Charlie on cab number 1578, he's a good-looking man. <laughs> and he'll say, and he's so handsome and he's single. And I said, okay, that's great. He said, I reckon you should meet him. And I said, but I'm married. Yeah. And he goes, no, you're not. And I said, yeah, I am. He goes, no, you're not. No, you're not. And I was just entertain. He's entertaining every time we see him. Yes, I agree with that. He is. <laughs> he is very entertaining. So let's talk how the weather affects wounds. We touched over how the fluid goes to the wounds and the fluid, what the fluid does is help heal and protect that wound from bacteria. Let's talk how, like, this stormy weather and humidity affects wounds. Well, I suppose it's a double-edged sword, really. It does the opposite. So our body will naturally send fluid to the wound site to protect the wound. So when we have increased fluid, obviously, and we're absorbing that fluid, it then it does the opposite thing. It breaks down the wound from the inside out, which is why sometimes we will see a great wound that is, you know, healing and things are looking beautiful and they're um, they're on track to heal quite quickly. And then we have this moment where, like today and yesterday, we've got all this increased humidity and then the wound will go backwards. Yeah. And we think the wound is going great, but the reason that it goes backwards is because um, the inside of the wound that we can't see is filling up with fluid. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. We, we need to A, Keep an eye on that wound plus monitor the swelling because we don't want that wound to break down. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's anything else to add to today's episode. Is there anything else you can think of weather-related or wound-related? I think we covered a lot of wounds. When you have a wound, you should just always make sure that you've got, especially when you've got lymphedema, you should ensure that you're wearing your compression garments. 
following all of the recommendations. And if you're concerned, see your GP. Don't, Absolutely. Do not Absolutely. wait until it's being, being, it's okay, mate, we've got this, it's not that bad. Don't leave it to that stage. If there's something that needs reviewing, I'd, I'd think I'd rather you go and get the okay from the doctor than not go and it turns to pseudomotis and we don't want that. So no, we need to definitely. listen to your body and especially if you're if there's an infection, you'll know about it yep. because the area will be red, it'd be sore to touch, it will be hot and you can actually feel quite sick if there's an infection going there. So then it affects your your mobility, it affects your um your eating, it affects your what else does it affect? Eating and it just affects your over everyday living. If you've got an infection, you're unwell. So we want to not go down that road. So if there's any concerns, get it checked out. And it takes a couple of minutes for your doctor to check it. And if there's an issue, then you know he can direct you to the right people or if you're in the area and you know us or if we can help you drop us a line that'd be awesome i don't think there's anything else i think we're done hans i agree <laughs> all right um have a great day everyone thank you all the people from all over the world who is yes thank us. you so much and remember to like share and comment and send us a question um we need to do a q a actually i think that's something we should probably do soon yeah no, not one of them yet no, I think we need questions. So we need questions, peeps. So if you can drop us a line and see if there's something that you want us to talk about, please let us know too because we would love to talk about it. Okay. Yes. Until then. Right. Bye. Got to go. Hay, we have a website, info.lymphaticare.org, if you want to go and check us out. We also have Facebook and Instagram. There's lots to learn there. If you want to reach out via email, info.lymphaticcare at gmail.com all those who live in the brisbane area give us a call 0410 032 335 gotta go